0: Hello, and welcome back to our podcast. Good to have you back. Good to have you back. And it's good to be here again, yet with another, what I think is an exciting episode. We are talking about Dope Sick. If you're familiar with it, then you might already have an opinion, but if you're not Dope Sick is a a series on Hulu and it stars Michael Keaton amongst others. And I'm not going to get too much into the details of it, but you can Google that. Hulu, dope, sick, one word, D-O-P-E-S-I-C-K, very simple, Michael Keaton. Phenomenal performance by Michael Keaton, amazing. So in a nutshell, what is it about? It's about a opioid crisis that supposedly was created by Purdue Pharma with a drug called oxycontin or oxycodone. It's a pain medication, supposedly highly addictive. And the series deals with not only showing how Purdue Pharma, and they actually use the names of Purdue Pharma and the drug. A lot of the names are real life names, so to speak. Rudy Giuliani is it, is in it. So not he's in it, but his character is so it's a very real very real drama first I thought it was a documentary my dear friend Sue recommended it I watch it right and I thought it was a documentary series but it is a narrative drama beautiful obviously with Michael Keaton in it so it's about Purdue Pharma selling pushing their pain medication And also showing how addictive it truly is, was during that time when the opioid crisis started. Um, Also showing in this case, and I won't give away too much, how even uh, certain experts in the field get addicted to it. Other people, not just common folk in the street, right? So the general sense of the series is... um, Sort of an, uh, a real life story, a true story, you know, narratively filmed to show how a pharmaceutical company, in this case Purdue Pharma, pushed a drug that they knew was highly addictive. Yet somehow they managed, whether it's to trick or collaborate with the FDA to get their label passed and to get this drug on the market, and then to pretend that they did Didn't know it was highly addictive, and actually say, this is sort of their main slogan in the film, that less than 1% of people using their pain medication would get addicted. So it was an easy sell, right? For the pharma, Purdue Pharma sales reps, to go to doctors and say, hey, this is super safe, safe and effective. I don't know if that rings a bell, safe and effective is what we're usually told by our lead agencies. When a new drug gets pushed that the same agencies really, really want us to take or use backed by interest groups, in this case, pharma. So let's get into it. This is Hulu's series, Dope Sick, And I highly recommend you watch it. If you're interested as a parent, if you're here, and you do have some kind of a, an opinion on pharma, on stimulant drugs for ADHD, uh, you want to do further research, you know, something is telling you intuitively that there might be some truth to pharma being not quite as honest as they pretend to be, then I highly recommend you watch it. And I'm going to get into it a little bit why I think that. Now, you might say, well, Roman, this Hulu series, Dope Sick, was really about OxyContin, not about ADHD or Adderall or anything like that. Well, yes, it is. At the same time, as I looked a bit deeper into this whole matter of Purdue Pharma, there was a drug that in 2019, the same pharmaceutical company, Purdue, released for ADHD. And it's called Adhansia XR. That's A-D-H-A-N-S-I-A-X-R. You might have heard of it. So I found an article on Healthline that says, why did the FDA approve this new high-dose ADHD drug? Question mark. Of course, I was thinking to myself, well, yeah, I'm actually curious, right? So the subheader says Purdue Pharma's new ADHD medication is a higher dose of an older drug with a history of abuse. It's been approved for children as young as six years old. Now, I just want you to know in Dopesick, a similar thing happens where at first Oxycodone is introduced as a 10 milligram kind of 20 milligram tablet. And throughout the film, it is shown how the company keeps doubling up, increasing the doses, then telling doctors to increase the doses, then eventually creating a pill as much as I think they ended at 160 milligrams, starting people at 10 to 20. Imagine that eight times 20, 160 of, you know, milligrams of a highly addictive opioid now back to ADHD. So it says in this article, a new time-released formulation of a drug used to treat attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, has been approved by the Food and Drug Administration, FDA, to treat children as young as six years old. It's called Adhansia XR, and its active ingredient is methylphenidate, which has been used to treat ADHD for more than 50 years. The same active ingredient has been the base for other brand-name drugs used to treat ADHD, such as Ritalin Concerta, Datrana, Quilament, Metadate, and Cotempla. So what makes the XR different from most of the drugs that came before it? The only difference in this new drug and the old ones is the higher dose, says Dr. Marianne Block, a Texas-based physician and non-pharmaceutical ADHD treatment author, told Healthline. So she's saying there's no difference. It's just a higher dose. Most methylphenidate-based drugs are labeled against exceeding more than 60 milligrams per day. Adhansia XR is available in daily doses ranging from blue 25 milligram pills to white 85 milligram ones. Wait, 85. But they did say most methylphenidate-based drugs are labeled against exceeding more than 60 milligrams, so this new one is up to 85. Adhansia XR also happens to be manufactured by Purdue Pharma, the company that made its fortune advertising, marketing, and selling oxycodone, oxycontin. The company is currently exploring bankruptcy in the wake of roughly 2,000 lawsuits that accuse the company of contributing to the opioid epidemic in the United States. So, okay, let me back up here, right? So as a parent researcher, as we started to look deeper into these issues, first of all, I just want to point out a few things. The same drugs have already existed, right? Methylphenidate-based drugs. Like I said, there's Ritalin, Concerta, and so forth. And they've been labeled against exceeding 60 milligrams. But here comes a new one. Here comes Adhansia XR that's supposedly by many experts, and Dr. Marianne Block isn't the only one in this article saying it is a higher dose. That's really the only thing that's different, right? Here comes a medication that's now a higher dose. And it's made by the same company that has 2,000 lawsuits against it supposedly responsible for this uh, opioid epidemic through OxyContin. And they're releasing a new medication for ADHD. Okay. Now, I think it has nothing to do with conspiracy. If I were to say, well, maybe we should be a little careful with that one. Because the last one that they rolled out big time and started increasing the dosages backfired big time because it created an epidemic, an opioid epidemic, well, because it was highly addictive. Okay, well, let's keep that in mind, okay? Let's just keep that in mind. So now they asked Dr. Andrew J. Cutler about this, and he was the chief medical officer for Meridian Research, which conducts streamlined medical research studies based out of Florida, and they had to, uh, they were involved in this, uh, uh, you know, release of the adhansia XR. So according to Cutler, adhansia XR falls into the Ritalin family of ADHD medications and that the research he helped conduct didn't compare adhansia XR with other drugs currently on the market. Instead, it focused on whether the drugs started working within an hour and continued to work for 15 more hours in participants, all meeting the diagnostic criteria for ADHD. So they just gave these to, uh, uh, they said some of the participants were new, but others were veterans, right? And he said generally they were all satisfied, right? So it continues to say that um, he said that, you know, that's why he said he'll be excited when Adansia XR is available later this year for his age-appropriate adult clients, because they were saying that these are more likely better for adults than for children. There's a few other experts. There's a Dr. Max Visnitzer, pediatric neurologist as well. Uh, they're all kind of saying, yeah, it probably wouldn't be good for most children. Now, keep in mind, the FDA approved it for children as young as six years old. I don't think it really matters, at least after a while. It's not going to matter whether a few pediatricians think that maybe it's better for adults than for kids. If it's approved for six-year-olds, most doctors and parents will just run with it, right? And these guys are saying, by the way, you know, they're saying the vast majority of six-year-olds don't need 16 hours of medication. That's how long this ADHD drug lasts, 16 hours. Now, imagine you're a kid and you take your drug and you go to school at, I don't know, say 8, 8 a.m., right? 16 hours later. You know what that is? Let's do the math. 8 plus 10, 18. That's 6 p.m. plus 6. That's midnight. That's from 8 a.m. to midnight. Yeah, you're damn right that the vast majority of six-year-olds don't need 16 hours of medication. I would even say that they can't handle 16 hours of medication. Uh, Maybe they can't even handle five, six. I don't know. And that's handle, not as in like what parents think they need to make it through throughout the day, right? Or the kids need to, to make it through the school. It's just the body. Can it handle it, right? So I just want to go down here uh, to um, the next chapter of this article that says high potential for abuse. The FDA says, now this is the same agency that's just approved, not just, but recently in 19 approved this drug right? For six years, you know, plus six years and up. The FDA says Adhanzi XR has no therapeutic equivalence, meaning it's one of a kind, mainly due to its 16 hour mechanism. Oh, cool. Well, that would be like me creating a, a drug based on speed that keeps people up for 24 hours. And then it would be, it would have no therapeutic equivalent because there's no other drug like it that keeps somebody going for 24 hours. Yeah, that's not really a sales point here for me, dear FDA. That 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 doesn't really, you know, therapeutic equivalent. Are you serious? Maybe how about just no, uh, uh you know, drug equivalent. You know, uh, therapeutic equivalent. Come on. The FDA classifies methylphenidate as a Schedule II controlled substance. So while it has therapeutic value, it also has a high potential for abuse. This is again based on the FDA's on their own website. If you go there and look under Schedule II drugs, Ritalin, Adderall, drugs like that are listed there alongside with cocaine and meth, right? It says Enhanza XR comes with a boxed warning for high potential for abuse and dependence, the same as many drugs similar to it, right? So think about it. The FDA has approved a drug for children as young as six years old. And there is a warning, because they're aware of it, that says high potential for abuse and dependence. Now for a six year old abuse, you know, may not come in just yet, but dependence. Yeah, I would say so. That would be something to be wary of as a parent, right? So let's continue. It says newly approved higher doses of drugs with abuse potential are more attractive to experienced users. Both legally and illicitly. Yeah, that's true. That's what I was just saying, right? More experienced user, like a six-year-old, is not going to be your experienced user and your abuser, right? Now let's continue a little bit further down. This is when it got really interesting. First of all, in January, this is of the this article was out. Um, on the exact date, I'll find it for you, but. Um, it says that uh, in January, a lawsuit filed by the Massachusetts Attorney General against the Sackler family—the Sackler family is the family behind Purdue Pharma, portrayed in Hulu's Dope Sick. the founders of Purdue Pharma—produced emails that suggested they and other Purdue executives earned higher profits by pushing larger doses— of the addictive pain medication, Oxycodone, Oxycontin, all while knowingly ignoring warnings of the drug's addictive nature and potential for misuse, according to an article in the New York Times. Sound familiar? Wait a minute. The same Purdue Pharma, right, pushing these drugs, the larger doses of this medication, while knowingly ignoring ignoring warnings of the drug's addictive nature and potential for misuse. Well, that's what we just read that the boxed warning from the FDA on this new ADHD medication, much like Oxycontin back then says high potential for abuse and dependence, yet still the FDA approved this higher dose medication saying has no therapeutic equivalent, meaning it's one of a kind, mainly due to its 16 hour mechanism. It's almost like saying we know it's a higher dose. And we know that makes it even more, uh, you know, potential, higher abuse for (laughs) potential, higher potential for abuse and dependence, but we're just going to go and approve it. Huh? Well, if you watch or when you watch Dope Sick, you see how it all works politically, how these things get pushed through at the FDA and how it's all just a matter of what interest group has how much power and can push what through, right? So let's, let's go further down. So down here, there's a little paragraph. Um, yeah, so there is a Dr. Adyaha Spinks Franklin. I probably said her name wrong. Adyaha, Adayaha, Adyaha Spinks, Franklin, a developmental behavioral pediatrician at Texas Children's Hospital said all stimulants have the potential of being abused. But research suggests that there's less potential for abuse in longer acting or extended forms because they take a few hours to start working and gradually wear off. Okay, let's take that apart for a second. In Dope Sick, same example was shown again and again. This is based on a true story. That what Purdue was actually pitching, one of their sales pitches, to their reps and then from rep to doctor, right? From doctor to parents was all coming from the pharmaceutical company saying it's a longer acting, right? Longer acting form. Therefore, it doesn't have the peaks and the the valleys, the peaks and the valleys of the shorter acting forms that often, uh, quote unquote, drug users abuse. Now, later it was found out that that was actually misleading information, that that was not true. That their drug didn't have a long sort of gradual, big curve, slowly going up and slowly coming down. It also had the peaks and valleys. And what they were doing is they were basically saying, look, um, this is not addictive because it lasts for that long. And it's sort of a soft come on and a soft go off, right? Well, wrong, What they found out later is that it was just as addictive, if not more addictive. And people would start doubling the doses and quadruple the doses. And it just got out of hand. It got out of hand. And of course, when these things are available, you know, it's easy to blame the people. Oh, they're just druggies abusing this stuff. We just make medication. Yeah, but not if you're lying about the effects, not if you're lying about the intensity, the potential for addiction, And dependency right the potential for the abuse I mean that's now on the label that's on the label the FDA put that on the boxed warning high potential for abuse and dependence okay so that's nobody's arguing that but what this doctor was saying is well yeah I mean you know it all stimulants have the potential of being abused yes doctor of course You know, you can take a full bottle, you can swallow a full bottle of aspirin or a full bottle of many medications and you may commit suicide or you may get really sick. Yes, of course, anything has the potential of being abused, let's face it. But then she says, but research suggests that there's less potential. So notice those two words, research suggests. And there's less potential for abuse, still potential for abuse, but less, you know, potential for abuse in longer acting or extended forms, because they take a few hours to start working and gradually wear off. Now, it's very familiar to me, you know, these, this kind of wording of suggest, right? Because uh, we've been working on our ADHD diagnosis survival guide. And I'm, I'm, I'm here to say it's almost done. Bear with us for another week, week and a half. It will be available. It will be online. You'll be able to download it for free. You'll be able to share it. It's a beautiful deck. My wife, who's a designer, she really, really made it shine. And our team uh, is such an amazing creative team. And it's just, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm proud and I'm excited. Anyway, what I wanted to say is, you know, those words like research suggests. Right? We hear this from from the experts a lot. When we in our deck were looking into the causes of ADHD, Uh, you know, the APA, American Psychiatric Association said, scientists have not yet identified the specific causes of ADHD. The CDC says the causes and risk factors for ADHD are unknown. The NIH, National Institutes of Health, says finally, after years of clinical research and experience with ADHD, our knowledge about the cause or causes of ADHD remains largely speculative. So as you can see, not yet identified, unknown and largely speculative, kind of fits in line with the same narrative of like research suggests, right? It suggests that there's less potential. That's just not enough anymore. That's just not cutting it anymore. You know, we can't allow these corporations, these capitalistic corporations, these for-profit monsters. And I don't mean monster as in like a, a bad, you know, uh, movie, kind of like a big monster. I'm monstrous in size. If you look at uh, Purdue you know, Pharma and the Sackler family, just monstrous in size, these capitalistic call it machines or monsters, to toy with research that way, to have the FDA release medications onto the public or unleash them onto the public with statements of research suggests there's less potential, might be potentially addictive, um, you know, might have a high potential for abuse and dependence and so forth. It's no longer okay to be this vague. If we're vague, meaning if those agencies in the case of ADHD, if the top agencies such as the APA, the CDC, and the NIH are still speculating and causes and things are unknown then wouldn't it make sense to say, until we have more clarity, we're not going to unleash these powerful brain chemistry-altering drugs onto the population. Let's wait a little bit. What's the rush? Mental health versus overall health? That's not a good argument anymore. You know, often switching schools has worked for a child. Often family therapy has worked for a child. Often neurofeedback has worked for a child. Often it's taken years, like in our case, seven years to really put in the work without just giving our son a pill and sedate him and move on with our busy lives, ignoring everything that actually matters, ignoring the check engine light of the family that I think ADHD children are, right? That would be easier to do. But why don't we stop and take a deep breath and evaluate and say, look, if the science isn't, if science isn't really agreeing, if science hasn't really, you know, uh, become a bit more clear around it, why are we unleashing these powerful drugs? Well, we all know why, you know, there's pharmaceutical companies making a killing. Seriously, it's good business. I get it. I get it. It's good business, you know. It's it's why they're in business, and I believe there was. I'm just looking for this paragraph. Um, you know, uh, um, I think Purdue Pharma made in two years, I believe, something like a billion dollars off of it. Don't quote me on the exact numbers, but it was insane. And they kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And if you get a chance to watch Dopesick, I want you to keep in mind that pharmaceutical business as it stands today is the same everywhere. How it operates, the distribution, the profits, the shareholders, how they advertise, and I don't mean everywhere, like it's not the same in every country, how it's advertised and how it's sold, but ultimately the companies that make a lot of money create product that alleviates some kind of suffering. And often it is now proven that a lot of these disorders and diseases and terminology has been invented by the same pharmaceutical companies. And you see this in Dope Sick as well. They created terms like breakthrough pain, um, you know, where they would, or, or pseudo addiction, things that would work for them, that they, things that they could tell their doctors. They would bring in often bribe. Uh, medical experts to to side with them, or even to work with them, to push this through to other uh, pediatricians or other doctors, right? And, you know, what has us believe that it's for some reason different when it comes to ADHD, or it's different when it comes to vaccines, or it's different, you know, we somehow buy into this narrative that like, well, yeah, I mean, they have 2000 lawsuits against them, but they're not really bad guys. Uh, you know, when it comes to ADHD, I'm sure that's when they got really serious and full of integrity. And that that's where nothing is really shady, you know, it's for the kids. And, you know, I trust my doctor and he he would know, you know, we, we get wrapped up in this kind of false narrative. And we, we we think it's a real narrative, it's truthful, right? But I hate to break it to you, If you have a pharmaceutical company that has 2,000 lawsuits against them, not one, not five, maybe 10, a dozen, right? 2,000 lawsuits against them. I always say you attract these things for a reason. We're like magnets, whatever frequency we vibrate on, we attract those things. Purdue Pharma has attracted those lawsuits because they've been involved in shady business, because their top priority is, you know, profits, right? For their shareholders, stockholders, for their family. That's number one. So therefore you attract 2000 lawsuits. And what should have me believe that when it comes to ADHD, like this new medication or newer, recent medication of Adhansia XR released by the FDA, right? What has, which, why should I believe that they've cleaned up their act for this, right? Do we, us parents, do we want to believe it? And that's why we believe it. Do we so desperately want to live a more, you know, a calmer life and have our kids get better grades? And, you know, we want to be less, disrupted in our day so we don't have to go to keep going to the principal's office because our son or daughter has been disruptive, right? Do we really, do we want to believe it so badly that we ignore the fact that the same pharmaceutical company that most likely now based on evidence was responsible for the opioid, the epidemic here in the U S that the same company released a 16 hour ADHD medication with similar high potential for abuse and dependence? Do we want to believe that there's nothing shady going on? There's no, you know, uh, manipulating the information for the FDA, right? Adjusting the science, the studies, bribing doctors, specialists. Really? Do we think there's none of that going on? Hey, maybe there's not. Maybe there's not. I'm, I'm not a fortune teller. I'm not a a judge and a lawyer who that has all the evidence, but if I check in with my intuition and I use common sense and I have the information that I have in front of me about Purdue and their past, I would have to say the same caution that I now will, will apply to pain medication. I would also apply to stimulant drugs for children, for ADHD. Absolutely. Wouldn't that make sense? I don't know, maybe I'm off here. Email me. Go to adhesover.com, contact us. You know, I'd love, I'd love to hear your opinion. Or send us an email if you have an idea for an episode, right? Let us know, engage with us. We'd love to have a dialogue so it's not always a monologue. So anyway, you can look this up. Um, Dope Sick on Hulu, great show to watch. Very dark, very heavy, be ready for that. But you'll see the inner workings Of a pharmaceutical company, running after profit and doing whatever it takes to sell more, wasting human lives during the process. And the uh, Healthline article, I'll I'll, uh, link to it in the show notes, so you can read further into it. You can, you know, hear some of the other experts that they interviewed to say, Oh, it's really not a big deal. It's all good. It's just longer lasting, probably just for adults, better, you know, than for kids. Uh, Not that addictive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything can be abused or can lead to, uh, you know, dependency, but that's really up to the user, the person, you know, the yada, yada, yada. You can read up on that. And as I always say, there's no right or wrong right? You can choose to medicate your child or not. It's all good. As long as you're informed, as long as you do listen to your own intuition, you know your child better than any expert. You are the expert in your child. As long as you listen to both sides of the narrative, you're not just running with a one-sided incomplete narrative, which I believe the mainstream narrative is incomplete and one-sided. I've now been exposed to both sides and I'm always open to hear both sides. I usually roll with the people that I sense are authentic and fulfilled. And most of the time, those people happen to be on our side, which I call camp thriving, whereas the other side is camp coping, coping with it the pro-label, pro-med side, I tend to encounter less people that I find to be authentic when I listen to them or hear them or talk to them. And also them being more defensive, less fulfilled as human beings, more righteous and often angry. And so it's hard to have a mature dialogue with them. Often, you know, they don't accept the invitation to be on our podcast I've reached out to several top-line experts, Ned Hallowell, Russell Barkley, and so forth. And they're not interested to have a dialogue. And look, I get it. ADHD is over is a provocative title. You may think of us as crazy, as misinformation. But if it was me, if I was truly a stand, committed, right? As by my own word, integrity, committed to helping children right? And committed to the disappearance, the end of ADHD, just like end of cancer, end of world hunger, truly committed to something no longer existing because it is disempowering. If I was, I would engage in any dialogue where someone would try to prove to me the opposite is better than what you believe. I would be down for discussion. I would be interested asking questions such as, wow, you seem really sold on the, can you just explain it to me? Like, I really want to know, like, what had you just say, F the other side, here's what I believe, like, tell me, like, I want to know, right? I will get on any podcast, on any show, I will interview, talk to, or be interviewed by anyone, bring it on, because I'm truly committed to disappearing ADHD as a mental disorder, especially for our children, Those who are too young to reason with those labels, to make sense of it, to not let it affect their self-confidence, to not let it mess with them for life. That's my stand. So bring it on. I will not turn down any interviews. I will only turn down interviews by people who have a track record of taking things out of context, right? Of interviewing me for an hour and then only showing one sentence and saying, oh, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about that I have to protect myself with, right? But in our case, I record the podcasts with my experts for an hour, hour and a half, and I post the entire interview. So anyone can listen in. There's no manipulation of taking something out of context. I often take quotes off of websites, like from the CDC and the NIH and the APA, and you could say they're out of context, but you can go look it up. You can see it. It's not a, it's not a hidden source. It's on their own website, right? Often we can't you know, put the whole statement, but we can take what we believe is relevant to an article or to a podcast. But anyway, it's just surprising to me that um, a lot of top experts actually have more interested in keeping ADHD alive than they have in standing for our children. And to me, when I meet people like that, I just sense it. And they're usually never on our side. And so That's when I started to put two and two together to think, hmm, they don't really have our children's health or mental health. You know, that's not their top priority. That's really not their top priority or your being, your way of being would already feel different in person or on a zoom or during an interview. So therefore it's very easy for me now to spot who has a different agenda. And when I was watching Dope Sick. And when I was reading more into Purdue Pharma and into their kind of, you know, um, tactics and how they did things, it's evident that, again, it's capitalism, it's profits at the top. It's not people. It's not actually relieving people's pain so they can live a better life. That's the front, right? Right. That's like stimulant medication for children. It's like, well, we actually want these kids to be able to focus so they can learn and get good grades and have a good life. Yeah, that would be nice if that's where we stopped, but it's way beyond that. It's way beyond that. It's how to create a customer for life. And that only happens through coping, not thriving. When people thrive, they're not customers for life. They're not dependent on external sources, circumstances to make them feel whole that's coping. That makes money for pharmaceutical companies. Thriving does not make money for pharmaceutical companies. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you get a chance to watch Dopesick, be ready, but it's powerful, beautiful, well-acted, some amazing nuggets of wisdom throughout, and really something that I had to reflect on heavily and then do some research. And that's how we ended up here. Um, talking about this new uh, newer ADHD drug called Adhansia. If you have experience with it, Adhansia XR, I'd love to hear from you. Go to ADHDsover.com and contact us. I'd love to hear, um, you know, if you've given it to your child, what was the reaction? Um, this is mostly for parents with children, so I'm, I'm, you know, never turned down an adult with ADHD, but that's really not our niche. That's really not what the bulk of our research um, has been about. But anyway, stay connected, be well, and until next time.